there and you, oh, and you get to your table, it's all nicely set up and, and it's, it's, it, in the current time it's actually all COVID safe too, which is the other thing you're looking out for. And you go and sit down and you go, oh, this is a really nice place. And you look through the menu and you go, oh, okay, well, we'll try something new and you order it and the food comes out on the table and the first bite you have and you go, oh, that's disgusting. That is the worst food I've ever ever eaten, let alone paid for. And you, you can't get through any more and you end up sort of pushing your food around your plate, paying for it and going home going, I'm never going to come back there again because the food is so bad. Now, flip that around a little bit, the other thing could be true, you could walk into a place and you know what, you sort of, you get there and you go, wow, this is, um, they could use a little bit of um, spray and wipe around the place, it's a bit messy around here and oh, it's good to see all the ch- and, and um, but the smells good, so I'm going to maybe sort of like one of those little um, roadside diners that you have to stop in. But you order some food and the food comes back and it's fantastic. But the thing is, when you think about it, a place that doesn't look any good is not even going to get the first time customers usually, let alone the repeat customers. You see, in both those places, they've got something that works against it. And today we're going to be talking about how, I suppose, in, in a restaurant setting, Food plus experience, food plus like the ambience equals the overall overall experience. And this is, I'm going to use that sort of metaphor to talk about what we're going to talk about today. See, Jesus has given us new lives, and for those who've been with us the whole series or have listened online on the website, we talked about we want a loving community. And what have we got to do if we love in community? What was that? Embrace it, but what have we got to knock down? Fences, there we go. I thought for a second, four weeks and the memories are gone. So, um, but yeah, we need to knock down our fences so that people can walk into the life of our yard of our life and go, hey, I'm going to be part of your life. And, um, and, and, and vice versa. So we want to knock down our fences. He, um, he, he wants us to be a part of a new community. He's creating this, this life in this community is in his kingdom is life as it was meant to be giving us a new identity and a new set of values and ethics to live by. Um, And so God wants all people to know this life of salvation and forgiveness and peace, healing, purpose and hope. And I suppose the question we need to ask is how can we make sure that we are growing in love in our church? That's actually the first question that we kind of got to answer Sometimes as a church, but sometimes individually. What am I part of, of this? And then the second part of that question is then, how do people come to this new life with God? Um, I think sometimes if we don't have that first answer to the question right, and like we may have the answer to new life, we may have the answer for the world about finding Jesus, but you know what, if we're not living out love in our church, why would people want to come to us and find out about the love of God? It makes sense, doesn't it? If we are not showing the love of God in our church, if, if, if we are not a testament to God's love being real in our lives, then why would people come here to find out about the love of God? It becomes a really sort of um, a necessary step. Um, how do people hear and discover and how do they experience the kingdom of God? Now, first of all, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I need a volunteer. Anyone want to be, um, just get my 
No, you can't, vo- you can't volunteer other people. My rule is, if you volunteer someone else, you become the volunteer. Okay. He was willing. Okay. So in, in the future, if you volunteer someone else, you volunteer yourself. Okay. Yeah, she's next. Okay. So you're already up here, so you can volunteer away. I'm going to give you a present today. So it's actually a good good volunteering thing. It's nothing strange. Oh, I'm going to give you a present. I want you to open up and I want you to show off your present to everyone. Take, take your time, obviously. So um, <laughs> anticipation's building. Can you show that off to everyone? Oh, no, no, you just, got, you just dropped it. You need to pick it up and show it to everyone. So uh, enjoy. Um, don't eat it all at once. Now, who thinks this is a great present? Okay, that's what you're getting for Christmas. Okay, and Stanley, good. I'll give him, I'm going to give him ten. But the thing is, an empty present is not worth too much. Anyone here would like to get this present for Christmas? No, no. I'm, 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 I'm going to take the box. I'm actually going to give you nothing. And so, yeah, thank you, Harry. So you can go over see. Um, but the thing is, an empty present is worth nothing and so when it comes to the church I suppose showing love the first thing is that we need to share presents now I think up on the on the on the screen it's it's coming slowly um, but yeah we need to share presents it's actually not that word it's not going to be that word because it's it's not so don't come to church expecting or with the expectation that I've got to give to someone a present each week, okay? Because um, you'll end up getting an empty box each week from me. Like that's what's going to happen. But what we actually really need is actually the next one, Stanley. If you go to the next slide, we actually need to share presents. Um, you can't share with each other without presents, can you? Like anyone, I was, and I suppose some people have tried to, they'll have dinner together with someone being digitally there, but you can't share the food. You can share the conversation, but like if I'm having a roast at my place and, and my brother in Mackay is watching on, he does not enjoy any aspect of the roast at all. In fact, he probably becomes envious as he eats his peanut butter sandwich. Like that's, that's how, that's, that doesn't work. That you can't share when you're not together. And you can't connect without um, our presence. And so, now this is the thing though. When I talk about presence, all of a sudden people think I talk about attendance. Now, two totally different things. Because we don't want to be just at church. Because again, some churches have a calendar full of different events. Um, and maybe, maybe pre-COVID like they were, maybe they're getting back in the swing of things now. But we could easily fill up the church calendar with things saying be at these things and again sometimes they help but that's just being at events that's just attending i don't want you just to be at church i want you to be the church um and so we've got to ask that question is church something i go to each week or is church something i'm constantly a part of because how you answer that question changes how you get connected because if church is something that you go to, you basically give it limited time. Depending on how long that guy up the front speaks, it might be an hour, it might be an hour and a half on a Sunday. If morning tea is really good, we'll push it out to two. But 
If I'm something, if church is something I'm part of, all of a sudden that time limit actually multiplies. If some church is something that we are, it actually doesn't have a defined time limit. Because again, like, okay, for those who are husband and wife, are you married an hour a week? Yes. Um, okay, so mix it under the bus. And Sarah's reversing over him as we speak. Um, okay, so anyone feel free to give Mick counselling or afterwards <laughs> help. Uh, um, if you, if you help Sarah too, you might want to just push the car back and forward over me. So, okay, but again, no one wants to be married just an hour a week, do we? Uh, not helping here, Harry. You're not helping. Okay. Um, Judy, if you're listening to this online, that was your husband. Um, but the thing is, marriage is something that you can constantly do. Now, again, there may be time that you're away. You might be working away, but you never stop being married. Um, the same way if you extend it to your wider family, you never stop being part of your family. Some of you teens that are in here, um, you might want to be away from your family. Um, that may happen at times. Um, Mum or dad puts on a co- as clothes that they wore like 10 years ago and you go, how embarrassing, how am I ever going to walk in public with them? Um, you want mum and dad to drop you 100 metres away from school so you can walk in and go pretend, oh, who's those strange people waving at me um, as they drive off? But the thing is, even if you want that, it doesn't change the fact that you are always family. Even when you leave home, when you grow up and leave home and, and actually start paying for yourself, so if you're worried about being embarrassed, in the future you'll have to look after yourself and, 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 and life changes dramatically. But the thing is, you're still part of that family. Church is the same way. It is not an event that we go to. It is something that we are part of. Um, And it's not like an organisation or a voluntary movement. It actually becomes... We become part of the DNA of the church that we are part of. That means when you are removed for some reason, like, okay, say you end up in hospital with a really bad illness and you're in hospital for, for three months and then you're at home for three months. You are suffering, no doubt. But the church misses out as well. Why? Because part of it, part of its existence, is not present. Okay, so that, that's it's that, it's that important that we are part of the church. Um, now, also as part of that, uh, we we get to the point where, in being the church, we are committing to Jesus, but we are also committing to each other. And before you start feeling upset at me because I'm using, you might be feeling guilt, guilty because I'm using that commitment word. The thing is, commitment is a love word. You realise that? Commitment, like, we, we actually use that. I did a wedding a week ago, and in the vows is commitment. I, I'm, I'm making this commitment to you. And then when we talk about commitment at church, not again, not to events, not just, not just that, actually more than that, commitment to being part of what we are, who we are, it's actually a love word. And it's, commitment is a two-way street. As we commit to each other, then we also commit back. And the the problem is modern church has this idea that we are all participants or we are all spectators. There's a few that are participants and everyone else is spectators. And that is a total wrong model of church. Never in the Bible. Never ever in the Bible. 
And so because of that, sometimes we go to church and say, you know what, this church doesn't, sort of end the phrase, this church doesn't meet my needs, expectations, and so I go find another church and I stay there until that church doesn't meet my needs or expectations. Again, it's, I suppose it's almost like a retail church. I go in and I, I, I pay for a, a service and as soon as I don't get that service, I go to a different place to get it. In the church, the church needs to commit to you, most definitely. In, in your joys, in your sorrows, in your ups and your downs. But the flip side is needed also where you commit to others. And, and this is why we should be willing to sacrifice so that we can share, give, serve in loving community with each other. Because sacrifice is a form of commitment. Um, anyone ever given up something for someone they love? Some of you are like, I'm, I'm just looking at you, Mick. I'm just going, you should put your hand up just so people think that you're too late. Too late. Uh, but the thing is, yeah, you, you give up. Um, I know as, as I've been married, there are certain ways that I did things and I saw no wrong reason with them, but my wife wanted them done a different way. I did them the different way. It didn't bother me at all, so it's a win-win. So happy wife, happy Keith. So, um, But the thing is, sometimes we sacrifice, again, because we love people and we want to show that love to people. And, and again, we've been talking over the last few weeks how that happens. So we sacrifice by knocking down our fences. We can sacrifice by using our gifts and serving one another and, and serving those around us. We can sacrifice by giving of ourselves. And we talked about giving from everything from our wallets, our time, our experiences, our passions. To give sometimes, well, a lot of times giving actually requires sacrifice every time. But see, if love becomes the motivation for this, all of a sudden... We're not guilted into. We don't feel like we have to. We are wanting to do it because why? We love God and we love those around us as well. And see, this is where, and I've already said this this morning, I'm going to say it again, this is where it goes beyond an hour on a Sunday. Sunday is important, but are we willing to commit to people in their absence by moving our presence to them in their situation? We have people that are not here this morning, we have people that work Sundays. We have people that, um, at the moment, all you've got to do is sneeze a few too many times on a Sunday morning and you've got to stay home. Um, you've got people that, maybe they're not going well with God at the moment. We've got people that, a whole range of things can keep them away from here. The thing is, and often what we do, and I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, we even do this as a church, we kind of sit back and wait for them to come to us. They're not here for some reason. We don't even know the reason, but we wait for them to come back to us. And then they don't come back the next week or the following week or the following week. And we left scratching our head. Where are these people? Now, again, going to a love situation, if that was your children and your children don't come home at 5 o'clock as they're meant to, now, most of us wouldn't wait a day to go find where they are. We want to be going, oh yeah, they'll be back eventually and, 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 and we'll continue our love for them when they come back. But let alone would we wait another day and another day and a week goes past and go, where is Danny? We don't know. She's, maybe she's lost in a bedroom or something. Oh, no, she hasn't come back since last week. I can imagine, like even Mick would be running around like, um, Mick doesn't run. So like, um, okay, he doesn't love you enough to run, Danny. Like, he's really... In, He's not doing himself any favours. 
today, like trying to, trying to help you out here, Mick. Um, but the thing is, we love our family so much, we would be frantic and, and looking for them and ringing police and ringing friends to find them. And the church, the people that we love in the church, we kind of sit back and go, we'll wait for them to come to us. And you might ring them up and go, hey, how you been? We haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, I've been really sick. It's really great to hear from you. Or, hey, oh, I've been meaning to get there. My car's been broken down. I haven't been able to get there the last two weeks. Oh, you should have called someone. Oh, here, how, how about I pick you up on Sunday? It could be a whole range of things. Oh, I've been working the last few Sundays. But, um, and, but this is where we, then, we actually move our presence a little bit more. If we are not just a church for this hour and we actually move our presence into their situation, we can be the church when we go to small group. We can be the church when we um, catch up one-on-one, say, hey, I haven't seen you for a few weeks. How about we have a coffee? Hey, how about you come over for dinner? Um, hey, I heard you've been a bit sick. Can I come over and clean your house for you? We, we can do all those kinds of things, and all of a sudden we extend our love and we actually move our, our presence to them. And I think there's got to be a sum of that. Now, if, if you're not here and you're listening online, or maybe this is something you need to hear as well, sometimes we need to realise the opposite because sometimes when we are staying home, the reason for staying home may not be a legitimate one. I've, wo- I've actually watched three too many movies last night and um, 10 o'clock's looking a bit early in the morning. But again, when you do that, you're not actually loving people enough to say, you're important to me to actually meet. And so, again, your commitment works two ways. You, you commit to, we as a church commit to, to being present with those people for some reason that can't make it. Those who are not present on a Sunday, they, they commit to finding ways of still being the church with those around them. So, we need to share presence. And, and I, again, that underlines everything I sort of want to talk about today. Um, but it's really a necessary step because it's not about working harder, it's not about being more effective at church, it's not about having better music, it's not about having this or that or lighting up the front. Again, it's about being a church that shares presence with God and with each other. Um, and, and what really sold me on this idea as I was thinking about last week's Bible passage from Acts, did the early church have a calendar of events? Did it have a men's group, a women's group, youth group, Sunday services even? No, we didn't. They met every day. They gathered together regularly. They shared each other. They shared time together. They would go to work during the day and then they would spend that time together um, uh, sort of hearing from the apostles and learning from them. And they would be on mission together because at the end of that passage we read last week, it said, and daily people were added to their number. Because they were watching this group of people that loved each other so much and loved God and their lives were changing. They went, hey, we want to be a part of that. And so, so when someone invited them, they went, oh, we're going to jump at this. And, they, and so the church was together. They didn't need an event to actually say, oh, to give them permission. And so that's what I'm, I suppose I'm starting today, is that you don't need permission to be the church outside of Sunday. Just feel free to do that. And in fact, again it got me thinking, around the world today, there are places that it is illegal to meet as a church. It's illegal. And yet, they are fighting for the opportunity to worship, 
and to grow and to fellowship together. They will do it in secret. They will um, meet late at night. They will meet early in the morning. They will, they will meet in high homes and hide so they can, they, can, they can have that time together. And I went, wouldn't that be great for our church that we would be willing to fight to be the church? And this is really important aspect. If we are, if we share being the church together, then it allows us to look beyond ourselves after that. And because, and my second point is, God entrusts us to create the kingdom experience. God entrusts us to create the kingdom experience. I suppose this is what I was talking about at the beginning with that restaurant idea. Good, good um, sort of lighting and, and, and um, I suppose seating and all that and good food equals great experience. The same is for the church. There's two things that um, Jesus was speaking about in Matthew um, 5. First of all, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Um, salt brings flavour. It brings taste. Um, it, um, it can even help really bad food. So if you've, if you've prepared a really bad food, a little bit of extra salt might make it sort of tolerable. But the thing is, um, we actually need to be a transformed community so that we can transform the world. In fact, if we're not a transformed community, it makes it very hard for us to transform the world. It, it makes sense, doesn't it? Like, it, it'd be like sort of, um, um, I'm going to pick on our nurses today, it'd be like our nurses being all dirty when they go in and doing all the different jobs they have and then hoping everyone doesn't sort of get sick. No, they, they do the opposite. They, they make sure that, that they are clean. Um, they make sure that they are sort of able to do the job to protect those people. So we need to be a transformed community. And, kingdom, and the kingdom life that we possess is invaluable for the effect it will have on our daily circles of influence. So salt has this flavouring that comes through our lives. And Jesus said, you are the soul of the world. But he also says, you are the light of the world. Um, and after they talked about that city on the hill cannot be hidden, and I was listening to Christian Radio a little while ago, and again, they were speculating here, but it was they should have said that this when Jesus was speaking about this, it wasn't far from a, a city that was actually built into a cliffside. And so it was actually part of the cliff. So it must have been at the top of the cliff and sort of built down into it. And so as people lit up, it was literally like the, the cliff, the, the hill would light up and it wasn't hidden. It wasn't hidden at all. And, and in the same, and so even the smallest lights um, lifted up can chase away darkness. And, and these days everyone's got, usually got a torch on their phone and so they're stuck somewhere, they can't get their keys in their car, they just turn their phone on and they're able to sort of see enough to be able to accomplish what they need. Um, light removes darkness in the same way that Jesus' life and message of salvation brought light to us. His disciples are a living demonstration of the arrival of the kingdom of God. And so, yeah, light removes darkness. And we not only carry the light of the gospel and the kingdom of God, but we are at the same time that light. Because of the work of the Spirit in our lives, our transformation has produced kingdom light in us affecting every aspect of our being, turning our positive influences, uh, turning us into positive influences in the sin-darkened world. See, as salt and light, all of a sudden, we, are, we should have become atmosphere plus great food. That's what it does. So salt and light are become that, uh, I suppose, 
the mathematical equation for us that equals the great experience of people coming to God. Um, when we intentionally love one another, when we intentionally use our gifting and live out of love of God towards one another and to the world outside these walls, we are salting the bland and bringing light to the darkness. Saying I love my church isn't just about us. It doesn't just impact us. It's about everyone outside these walls as well. And so question is, how do we bring that I love my church experience to our culture? Well, firstly, people will experience Jesus' community when we live its values. Now, who knows what comes earlier in chapter 5 of Matthew? So we read uh, verses 13 to 16. What happens right at the start of of chapter 5? The Beatitudes. Um, And so basically Jesus spends that whole first part of the chapter talking about the values of the kingdom. All the blessed are. So go back and read through all those. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the, the earth. And all those things like that Jesus talks about are values of the kingdom. Our verses 11 and 12 actually talk about the promise of persecution and the promise of reward. Which Jesus, I only speak about one, hey? Like, um, but he speaks about both. And then he took, in 13 to 16, it's the call that he places upon us. The salt and light metaphors come out of the Beatitudes. Jesus has brought the kingdom of God through regeneration and renewal by the Spirit. He transforms us. And the Spirit produces in us poverty of spirit, mourning and meekness, righteousness, mercy, purity and peace. These are the characteristics of Jesus' disciples that allow God to establish his kingdom in his way. And the Beatitudes are the character profile of a person who says, I love my church. And so... So seasoning and shining isn't only about the message we declare with our lips. It's about how we go about our lives. The lifestyle is the emphasis here. Because again, it's really hard to say, oh yeah, Jesus loves you, or Jesus wants to, has a great plan for your life, when we really don't care about you that much. One of the main reasons is that we don't even want to say that. When we don't love people that much, we don't want to even say those things to them. But when we understand that God loves us and we let that love sort of multiply in our lives, we love each other around us and we let that multiply, all of a sudden we want to see those people who are in darkness, who are living life in a bland way, to know the truth and we'll live that way. Um, Being salt and light is about the message we declare with our actions, reactions and everything in between. Anyone can say this, don't put your hand up because I don't want to embarrass them on this one. Anyone have a week this way where their actions or reactions may not have been the example that people wanted to see. Okay, so yeah, I'm just going to leave that one Like, um, Most of us know the answer to that one. But the thing is, that's again, it's not the, it's not the end point for us. It's, the goal is to be in a, living in a way where our actions and reactions honour God and, and bring glory to Him. The values in, in you, as you live in the kingdom, bring flavour to a bland, rotting world. Do you realise that when you go out in this place and you are being obedient to God and living out His plan for your life and giving glory to Him, you are bringing flavour to a bland, rotten world. Sometimes we think, I haven't really accomplished much in my week. But each week we are following God and we are living for Him. You are accomplishing that. That's kind of a big deal, isn't it? That we are bringing flavour to that each time we live for God. 
I don't know about you, but it gives me a bit of motivation to live for God a bit better at times. Because even when I don't see it, because I don't, most of us don't see the salt once it goes in. We might be able to taste it, it's there, but we don't see it. Sometimes that's the way. We don't see the impact that we're making, but it's happening and we are bringing that flavour. Um, you live in a way that brings light in a world of darkness as well, and that becomes a great thing that we can do. And what we need to realise, <laughs> just as I was saying, that it's, as we leave this place, we are automatically doing that for God. We don't. Um, my second point is that we live the values of Jesus' community in our everyday. Sometimes we think we've got to go do something great for God, or a great event, or something else, and that way, that's when I'll turn it on, and God will see what I'm doing, and people will see what I'm doing, and then when that is done, I'm going to just sit down and relax and go, "Oh, it is hard work, sort of being that good," and we'll just I'm just going to slip back into my other habits. I'm going to slip back into what I was doing. And then the next event, I'm going, yep, I'm going to sort of get back into shape, put on my good clothes, and do it again. And we think we've got to sort of perform highly. And the problem with that is what happens, we actually become a little bit intense when, when we only do it in sort of, sort of focused moments. Now, imagine this for a second. I've, I've, I've seen this done before. I haven't actually had a chance to do this one. But you're sitting at the table and someone says, pass the salt. Everyone's sort of looking down and half the people seem to be giggling and someone passes the salt and they go to tip the salt out and the lid's being sort of unscrewed and it all tips out on the plate. Everyone laughs, except for the person whose meal's right covered in salt. The thing is, that meal, they've got to scrape the salt off because it becomes too much. So if we dump a whole lot of salt on people, it becomes a bit intense. Think about it this way, and I'm sure most people have done this at some point in time, you take, uh, and most of them may have been a smaller torch, but have you, some of you may have even had those big spotlights that you sort of shine out. Have anyone sort of looked at it and gone, I wonder how bright it is? And you turn it and you look at it and you can't see for about five minutes and then all the dots start showing up. Sometimes we become light like that because we, we kind of turn it on and off and all of a sudden we go, okay, Pastor Key said I need to go share with my friends. I'm going to go do it today. And we just turn it on full blow. And their eyes are burning because we have really switched it on. What we need to realise is we need to live our, um, our salt and light in the everyday. In all the things that we do. We don't need to sort of switch it up to the next level just so they can really know that I'm a Christian. Um, and so we don't want to blind people or overdose them on sodium. We don't want to do that. We just want them to, to see Jesus. And, and so think about your daily routine. Think about your co-workers, your classmates, your, your neighbours, and the people you run into while you go about your day. And know this. And, and the thing is, you are, this is one thing, I'm just going to slight tangent, sorry. You would be surprised how much people will notice you. Um, I, I go shopping every Monday with Caleb, and um, next year I don't have to, I'll be able to go shopping by myself. But I must have been over the holidays, I went shopping for the groceries and so Caleb was at home with Elizabeth and everyone else. And as I walked in there doing the shopping, one of the um, uh, um, um, people stocking shelves or doing something at work for Coles sort of went, oh, you don't have your little helper with you today. And I went, wow, they, I have been in here enough. They have seen me enough. They've, I've either, or maybe Caleb's drawn attention to myself <laughs> and him. Um, but the thing is, he didn't look at me like she. She. It was. It was. A, it was a, quite a familiar sort of thing. And I went, "Wow, we are noticed." 
And so you apply that to how we live our lives. Then it got me thinking, what was I doing with Caleb when we were in the shops? Was I being a good example or not? Like, um, was Caleb sort of being a good example or not? But the thing is, people will notice us, one way or the other. And so your everyday things do count. Um, And all of a sudden, you can bring flavour to their life and you can bring light to their darkness. And so that is about living out... um, the values of this community in the everyday. And this has becomes a true statement. And those who have truly experienced Jesus will help others experience Jesus. Um, like if we know the truth of what God has done in our lives, we want to experience. We want to experience that with those around us. If we, if we go, God has loved me because, and I was a filthy sinner and then God loves me and God restores me and God has brought me hope and purpose and I want to share that with people around me. I want to share it with my church. I want to tell people in my church what God has done in my life this week. But sometimes we get so busy that like, maybe we don't even realise the truth of what is happening in our own lives and so we think we've got nothing to share but we just... We're not, or maybe we are not experienced what God has done in us. And so for those who have truly experienced Jesus, we want to help others experience Jesus as well. And Matthew 5, 14 to 16 says, A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a, a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Loving the church isn't about the building. It's not about programs. It's about relationship. And primarily our relationship with God, but that then overflows into our relationship with one another. But that doesn't stop there, because we also have to love those outside these walls. Um, and and that, 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 there's, there's a shift there that needs to happen. Because again, you know how I was saying earlier, sometimes we wait for people to come back to church. Sometimes, and so the same is true here, we wait for those people outside our walls to come to us. Now, can you tell me which church building that Jesus preached at? Synagogue? Temple, temple sometimes, but most of the time he, he kind of went to where the people were. There was, a, oh, there's a group of people here. Look what I'll just pull out of my tunic. Sermon for today. He went to where the people were. And the thing is, and, and as you read through the Gospels, this becomes a really exciting pe- thing, that it got so to the point that, and I was sharing this with the um, uh, LBA on uh, Wednesday night, that Jesus went away from Capernaum where he was based and he came back. Everyone heard about it and they rushed to see him. Why? Because they wanted to hear the, about the salt and the light that he had for them. And yet we sort of go, just come on in if you want to. No one's here today, so that's okay. We can just worry about ourselves. And then we, we actually, that circle actually gets even smaller because in worrying about just ourselves, we just worry about me. So when we start loving those around us, it becomes easy to love those around us who are even more further than that away. You can't season and shine when your ordinary is separate from the bland darkness. You understand what I'm saying by that? You can't, you can't be salt and light if the darkness and, and, and the blandness is out there and you are over here. It doesn't work. Try catapulting salt in a spoon and see how far it goes. 
probably all over the floor in front of you, and it doesn't get like you can't you can't pass salt that way. We pass salt in containers. We don't shoot it across the table. Don't go try it. Some of you are thinking about that. Don't go try it at home. But the same way with light, if the light is separate, if you if you turn your light on in the home in your bedroom and shut your door, nowhere else in the house benefits from it, just you. It's the same way that happens for us as a church. If we keep the salt and light within within just us, it doesn't help. So church, small groups, and the rest of our programs assist us to grow and become stronger at community faith. And when we are strengthening our saltiness and brightness, if you will, we then need to ask this question. Are we flavouring our world? Are we illuminating our world? That's the question for the church. This is the question for you. Are you flavouring and illuminating your world? You know the answer to that. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I want to finish with one final point uh, before I wrap up, especially, I suppose, almost circling back to what I was talking about at the beginning. Uh, who knows what this is? Charger, cord, charges my phone. Um, now, how does this work? Okay, so we, so we, we plug this into the PowerPoint. And, and what magically happens? Okay, so Mr. Technical up here, so AC to DC. So, so electricity, I'm going to break it down for people like myself. Electricity. Well, we actually need to access that electricity because I can plug in my charger like this and plug it into my phone and carry it around my, in my pocket all day and nothing will happen except my phone will get more flat. So we need electricity. We need a source of power to begin with. But what needs to happen with this bit? It needs to be connected. Well, I haven't been talking about connecting, haven't we? It needs to be connected. When we are connected, firstly with God and each other, the power of God is there. And so if we are disconnected, have you ever tried, have ever happened where you've partly plugged something in and you've left your phone on charging overnight, you get up in the morning, or you don't get up in the morning because your alarm doesn't go off and you're running late all day, you're going, what happened there? And you go, oh, I just wasn't connected in. I wasn't plugged in. So the church, for the church to be the missional arm of God, we need the power of God, which is electricity, and we need to be plugged into it together as the church. And only you can answer this question then. Are you connected into this church so that you can be salt and light in this world? If you are, fantastic. If you are, if you can honestly say, you know what, I'm connected in and God is using me, God is growing me, God is changing me, God is transforming me, I love my church, I love being here, I love being with the people that are here and I, they, I'm able to share with them, they're able to encourage me, fantastic. Keep doing it. Help others do it as well then. But then there's this question. If not, what are you willing to do about that? If you answer that question, you can say, you know what, I don't know if I am connected in. I know the power source is around here somewhere. I, can, I know Jesus is somewhere, and, and, but like I'm not truly plugged in to him and I'm not plugged in with other people. And therefore, I'm not accessing truly the power of God. What will you do about that?
what will you do about that? Because we can talk about it every single week, and but there, at some point in time, you've got to talk about, hey, what am I going to do to get to a place where I can love my church and be the church that, by being a part of it and being what God wants us to do. And so that's why I want to leave it today. Um, I really, um, I want to challenge you to really ask and answer those questions for yourself. Um, I can't do it for you. Um, I can't. But you can be honest before God and you can try and deceive yourself. Everything's all good. It's fine. God, I'm I'm all good. You know how you raise your voice when you're lying? Like, have you heard the chocolate? Not me. We we, we sort of end up spiritually raising our voices um, when we um, get to that point where we're not being honest with ourselves and not being honest with God. God knows that. He catches us out. But if you get to that point, you go, you know what, I don't think I am. Well, talk to God about ways you can change that. Let's just pray. Lord, we we want to thank you that um, you bring us together as your community. You want us to share together. You want us to experience who you are and what you have done. You want us to do that together. And, and, And so importantly, you want us to take it outside of this place. And so, Lord, I pray that we we are becoming the church that you desire us to be, but also that people will see that and people will give you glory and people will come into relationship with you and in so doing, come into relationship with us. And so, Lord, we we pray for that. Um, Help us to be willing to, to work through that in our lives as we talk with you and share with you and grow with you ourselves.